The talk you're about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. Today is uh, Tuesday, the 8th of August, 2023, and uh, this evening we're going to take up a koan. This is number five in the Mumon Khan, Kyogen's Man Up a Tree. And we'll just start by reading the whole thing. It's not a very long one, uh, the case, the commentary, and the verse, and then we'll I'll have a look at it in more detail. So this is the case. Kyogen said, it's like a man up a tree hanging from a branch by his teeth. His hands can't grasp a limb. His feet won't reach one. Under the tree, there is a, another man who asks him the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West. If he doesn't answer, he fails the questioner. If he does answer, he will lose his life. At such a time, what should he do? Commentary. Though your eloquence flows like a river, it is all to no avail. Even if you can explain the whole body of Buddhist sutras, that is also useless. If you can really answer, you will revive the dead and kill the living. But if you can't answer, you must ask Maitreya when he comes. In the verse... Kyogen is just babbling nonsense and spreads poison limitlessly. He stops up the monks' mouths and then watches them writhe with the black, piercing eyes of a devil. There's lots, there's lots in this. You'll see if we can explore it a little bit. Um, first of all, we have Kyogen, um, the only um, protagonist named in, in this um, in this ca case, Kyogen um, died in um, 898 Common Era, uh, so in the Tang Dynasty. His uh, Chinese name is Xiangyan Jirxian, but we'll we'll stick with the the Japanized names as they. Um, the ones used in our version of the Mumonkan that we work on. Kyogen studied uh, first under Hyakujo, or Baijiang in Chinese, and then after Hyakujo died, he became a disciple of one of Hyakujo's disciples, um, Isan, or Guishan in Chinese. And um, the story of his awakening is is a very well known one, and um, it's told in a text called "The Transmission of the Lamp." And um, we'll look at this just from um, how it's related by Sekida in his two Zen classics, the Mumonkam and the Hikigon Roku. Kyogen stood seven feet tall and was a scholar of great erudition. His learning for a long time stood in the way of his enlightenment, 
but Isan recognized his innate ability. One day Isan asked Kyogen, When you were with your teacher, Hyakujo, you were clever enough to give ten answers to a single question and hundreds of answers to ten questions. However, sagacity does not help you in studying Zen. In fact, it stands in the way of your enlightenment. Now I am going to ask you about what you have learned from your, not what you have learned from your reading or from your study of the sutras. Instead, tell me this, what is your real self, the self that existed before you came out of your mother's womb, before you knew east from west? At this, Kyogen was stupefied and did not know what to say. He racked his brains and offered all sorts of answers, but Isan pushed them aside. At last, Kyogen said, I beg you, please explain it to me. And Isan, repl Isan replied, What I say belongs to my own understanding. How can that benefit your mind's eye? Kyogen went through all of his books and notes that he had made on Taisho's he had heard and authorities from all schools, but he could find no words to use as an answer to Isan's question. Sighing to himself, he said, You cannot fill an empty stomach with paintings of rice cakes. He then burned all his books and papers, saying, I will give up the study of Buddhism in this life. I will remain a rice gruel monk for the rest of my life and avoid torturing my mind. Um, this is like this um, burning up all the notes. This is like another great master, Toksan, who who was an expert on the Diamond Sutra, and and flummoxed by a tea lady, he did the same, burnt all his, his notes. He says he will become a rice gruel monk. I, I'm not absolutely sure, but I think a rice gruel monk is, is like an ordinary monk who doesn't have much aspiration except maybe getting his daily feed of rice gruel. Sometimes the term rice bag is used pejoratively of of um, of monks who are not fully engaging with their their uh, practice. So he's he's giving up here. He's really he's not just um, changing how what he's doing, but there's this real sense that he's he's um, getting giving up his investigation because it is. Um, so torturing his mind. And uh, sometimes it is necessary to, to give up our most cherished ideas and even, even to give up the practice at times. Last week in the, in the newsletter, the little um, paragraph or so that I put in there was about not giving up. And that this was really only half right, or three quarters of right. And generally speaking, one needs to persist, but that doesn't cover all the cases. No, no description, no generalization will ever cover everything. And that's the whole point about practice, is we, we can't rely on somebody else's interpretation. Can't rely even on the words of our teacher, really. We have to 
find out for ourselves and for the particular situation. So anyway, um, Isan um, left sadly, which is another indication of, of how difficult this was for him to, to um, leave his teacher behind. But he felt compelled that he, this is what he needed to do. And he, he found um, a graveyard, a, dis, a graveyard that had sort of fallen into disrepair, which was the, where the tomb of a, a national teacher was, uh, Chu, national teacher Chu. Nanyang, I think is his name, his other name. So he, he took it upon himself um, to uh, look after this, this, this gravesite, keep it, keep it swept and weeded, and that, that became his occupation. Sekida says, in his spirit of dejection, he found this humble task best suited to him. And then Sekida adds a comment, uh, borrowing from a Christian saying, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they are freed from their own deluded egos. Then we, we don't get told here how long he had been there, but one day when he was sweeping around the grave, he was sweeping quite vigorously, and a stone um, tossed up by, the, by his broom um, struck a hollow bamboo and made a, this loud clock sound. Sekida says, the sound echoed, echoed through his mind as the sound of a falling nut rings through the empty valleys and hills at midnight. This was the intuitive first nen, first thought moment, ringing through his cleared mind and making a direct, pure cognition of the object. Kyogen stood speechless, forgetting himself for a while. Then, suddenly bursting into loud laughter, he became enlightened. This first nen is the nen of pure experience, of uh, nothing added. Nen uh, literally translates as thought moment. When we chant the kanze on the last two, not two lines, this moment arises from mind, this moment itself is mind. The mind uh, in our chant uh, is nen in Japanese. Nen nen furishin, we say in the Japanese version. It's a, it's a pretty hard to translate term, but thought moment, mind moment, um, and it's a, it's a very short period of time. Um, and so when we are gauging in cognition, we're um, uh, gauging in a string of nens, first nen, second nen, third nen, and so forth.
Returning to his hut, Kyogen performed the ceremony of purification, offered incense, paid homage to his teacher Isan, and with a deeper sense of gratitude said, Great Master, thank you. Your kindness to me is greater even than that of my parents. If you had explained the profound cause to me when I begged you to give me an answer, I would never have reached what I, where I stand today. So now, looking back, he, he realizes the, the, the wisdom and the kindness of Isan's refusing to explain things to him, but rather pushing him back on his own resources so that, that he could, could find out for himself, so that he would be compelled to give up all his notions, all his ideas, he then um, spoke a verse uh, on the occasion of his, his awakening. We're going to just read that, but from a different translation, which I think is a little bit clearer. This is coming from um, Andy Ferguson's book, Zen's Chinese Heritage. 73. This is... This is Ferguson's translation of the verse, Kyogen's verse. One strike and all knowledge is forgotten. No more the mere pretense of practice, transformed to uphold the ancient path, not sunk in idle devices. Far and wide, not a trace is left. The great purpose lies beyond sound and form. In every direction, the way realized beyond all speech, the ultimate principle. He um, apparently sent, wrote this, this verse down and sent it to um, his teacher. And um, Isan, see we. Isan approved it by saying, "This disciple has penetrated." Um, he was. He was. Um, there with his uh, disciple Yangshan. Kyozan in Japanese. And um, he said, this is a good representation, this is Yangshan, he's a good representation of mind function, but wait and I'll personally go and check out his realization. So, um, Kyozan went off and, and checked him out, and um, he says, Master Isan has praised the great matter of your awakening. What do you say as evidence for it? And then um, Kyogen repeated his, his previous verse. And then Kyozen said, 
This verse could be composed from the things you've studied earlier. If you had a genuine enlightenment, then please say something else to prove it. And then um, Yangshan composed another verse on the spot, which is a, um, a well-known, treasured verse in Zen. Last year's poverty was not real poverty. This year's poverty is finally genuine poverty. In last year's poverty, there was still ground where I could plant my hoe. In this year's poverty, not even the hoe remains. So then he's given approval by Gyozen. I grant that you have realized the Zen of the Tathagatas, but as for the Zen of the ancestors, you haven't seen it even in your dreams. At which point um, Gyogen wrote, composed another verse. He said, I have a function. It's seen in the twinkling of an eye. If others don't see it, they still can't call me a novice. It's quite a lot to this, this verse. But certainly he stands his ground with um, Kyozen. And Kyozen goes back to report to Isan and says, it's wonderful. Kyozen has re realized the Zen of the ancestors. I have a function. It's seen in the twinkling of an eye. If others don't see it, they still can't call me a novice. A subtle way he has of of, um, of standing firm and under the questioning that he's subjected to there. Okay, so that's all the background for our our case here. This now Kyogen teaching and giving this image, this powerful image, of a man hanging from a branch by his teeth. Kyogen said, it's like a man up a tree hanging from a branch by his teeth. His hands can't grasp a limb. His feet won't reach one. Under the tree there is another man who asks him the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West. If he doesn't answer, he fails the questioner. If he does answer, he will lose his life. At such a time, what should he do? So first of all, this, this, this um, image of this hanging man <coughs> grasping onto the, the branch of the tree with his teeth. <sighs> Can you imagine trying to, try to um, do that? What that would be like? And then, and just to, to make sure we've got, got the image, he says, his hands can't grasp a limb, his feet won't reach one. He's got nothing to hold on to. And we think of, of Kyogen earlier when he was a student with his, his screeds of notes that he'd taken um, conscientiously at all the talks he'd ever been to, useless. His feet won't reach like limb either. Nothing to stand on. Not even the, the philosophical principles of Buddhism. Not even that. Not even the, 
the highest teachings. And, and in this state of extremity, some guy down at the foot of the tree yells up, what's the meaning of Bodhidharma coming to the West? From the West? And people may know that this, this, this question was one of the ways that, that um, inquirers into Zen would ask about um, the truth, about the, the teaching. Bodhidharma, of course, is the, is the founder of Zen, the Ch first Chinese ancestor, and he traveled all the way from, from southern India, most likely. It's not entirely sure where he came from. Um, spent three years sailing up the coast of India and across to China. Um, a long, arduous journey. What was the meaning of that? Why did he come? In his old age, we're told, suffering great hardship. A little bit from Sekida here on what he says about this, this question. The answer to this question, this is what is the meaning of Bodhidharma is coming from the West, is that there is no meaning. If you can directly grasp this no meaning, then all problems are instantly solved. This no meaning, intellectually explained, means emptiness. The emptiness of ego, which is accompanied by emptiness of attachments, devices, purposes and objects. Bodhidharma came from the West, but he came without being attached to a single purpose. Buddhism, in Buddhism, emptiness is not a nihilistic emptiness. It is not the bitter emptiness of frustration and despair, which come from a mistaken attachment to constancy in a world which is ever-changing. On the contrary, Buddhist emptiness is the ancient way before the 10,000 myriad objects of the mind were born. So it is, is, this, is this ancient way that, that this man hanging from the tree is being asked about. So it's not just a, an idle question, we could say. It's a, it's a, a life and death question. How, how to live, how to die. And we're told, and we're told here that if he answers, if he opens his mouth, obviously, he's going to fall to his death. But if he doesn't answer, then he f he's failing to respond to some of these genuine questions about the Dharma. There's a, a comment on this koan by the late Robert Aiken. And he's, he puts it in terms of our own experience of this. In your desperate situation, you remain responsible to your fellow beings. So this, this guy is hanging from his, this branch from his, by his teeth, but that doesn't mean that he, he's 
gets out of, of responding. He has this responsibility. All of us have responsibility for others. Each of us is accountable to our fellow beings. Um, over the weekend and uh, today, I've listened to a few episodes of a, a podcast that is um, on Radio New Zealand. It's, it's put together by Susie Ferguson, and it's called Undercurrent, and it's about... Um, and it's a real in-depth look at uh, disinformation and misinformation and um, conspiracy theories and how they're growing and, and gaining strength here as well as elsewhere. And one of the programs talks to the family members of people who have got um, sucked down the rabbit hole, as they say, um, and expressing really... Um, what, what the family members consider to be abhorrent opinions, um, misogynist, white supremacist notions, um, and even really, really extreme conspiracy theories, um, things that came up here probably first, or for most people who hadn't heard of them until the um, pandemic such things as that masks are being used to control people, that, that Bill Gates has put a microchip in the, in the um, vaccine, um, and get, getting even more weird and out, out, out there that, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh with this one, reptilian humanoids are among us. So anybody here a reptilian humanoid? Hands up. <laughs> Anyway, things like that. The Clintons are blood-sucking Satanists. Um, there are many, many more. Um, but unfortunately, although we laugh, it's very serious because there's often violence also in the expressions and, and then in the actions that come out of those expressions. James Shaw was, um, was punched by somebody who um, believed he was involved in a conspiracy to do with the United Nations. Um, so this this has come and is a reality in, in political life that it hasn't been up till now. But anyway, um, these family members were they were faced with a kind of koan in terms of how to respond when 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 the family members that are, are being sucked into these things would argue. Um, and express these views. And one um, was saying that he knew that it was pointless to argue, that these, it wasn't possible to change people's opinions um, through arguing. But then, on the other hand, staying silent could so easily be interpreted as um, agreement. So and and he struggled with all kinds of feelings coming up around around this um, disgust, fear, anger, many different things that were found he found very difficult. One of the other family members felt strongly that um, she should not cut this person out 
because they were having these extreme views, but felt that it was necessary to keep a line of communication open and to be open by listening to this other, these views, um, realizing that there is another human, there's a human being there who's having the views, and there may be reasons why they, they have these views. Um, I guess this, with a family member, this is more um, likely to, to be a concern in that we, we're closer to family. We often um, would be more concerned about cutting off somebody who was in a, who was in a family rather than somebody just a, somebody we knew outside of the family. But this this sort of thing this uh, raises all these concern uh, all these questions about what is by our, behind our own reactions are we are we turning these people with extreme views into into other How, do we have a, are, are we playing a role in the process of um, alienation. What, what is right speech in such a situation? In his um, commentary on Kyogen's Man Up of a Tree, up a tree um, the Chinese um, Chan master Gyo, Gyo, Guo Gu says some very uh, pertinent things here. He says, um, the problem is not the words themselves. Words may communicate ideas very well, but they may not help anyone. For instance, you may be telling the truth about something, but if a person does not want to hear the truth, your words will go right out the other ear. Often you cannot get a handle on the appropriateness of speech. Why is that? because you don't understand the workings of causes and conditions and cause and effect. Here I'm talking about not being able to perceive the disposition of people and situations, what needs to be done, what needs to be said, and when to be silent. You can't see that because most of the time you operate over your own ideas of things. Similarly, silence can help, but it can also hurt. Sometimes the less chattering you have in your head, the fewer fixations you have, the more you are able to connect with others and the world. In these moments, you can be truly one with others without contrived intentions. There is a natural connectedness and peace. You relate to other people on a whole different level beyond words. It is miraculous, intuitive and genuine. That said, there are situations that require you to say something. If you may remain silent, the outcome may really cause more problems. We think of here of um, remaining silent in the face of injustice or um, bullying, bad behavior, racism, misogyny. Where staying silent, allowing these things can be really um, damaging. It's the same with actions. Actions, words, and silence may help, but also hurt. 
a person can devote him or herself for 10, 20, 30 years to helping those who are suffering and still have a very strong sense of self. So the real question in this case is how to answer, how to respond. He's referring back to, to our koan. The case is about your inherent freedom. If you are free and unbound by words or actions, silence or speech, then no matter what you say or do, you will be not fooled by Chan Master Xiang Yan's blabbering nonsense. We'll, we'll come to, back to this. This is one of the lines in the, in the verse um, later on. But in other words, he's saying we won't be fooled if we have, have insight ourselves, if we can, can um, not be caught up in our, our opinions and um, cherished beliefs. And we may be able to get through the armor of the, of the, the person who, who has, has extreme views, possibly or possibly not. A little bit further on, this is a guagu still. The real point is to arrive at a place where you cannot advance or retreat, hold on or let go, speak or not speak. This is the way to resolve the most essential question about your life. How to answer, how to respond. This is the means through which you bring your wisdom life back to life and put your delusions to death, um, emptying, emptying out completely. Pre-modern Chan masters have described the state of working on a gongan or huado, koan in other words, as chewing a hot iron ball with your mouth. Perhaps you may think, why in hell would any person want to chew on a hot iron ball in the first place? Let me substitute an image for you. It is like chewing a hot, delicious dumpling, your favorite dumpling, right out of the boiling water. Since you love this delicious dumpling, you're not going to spit it out, even when it's burning hot. Yet you can't swallow it either because it would burn your throat. So here you are, chewing and blowing and trying to taste it all, all at the same time. Very uncomfortable. This should be the way to seize the, the huado of how to respond how to answer. How do you respond to life without words and language, silence or gesture, right here, right now? Whatever you may come up with is certainly not the right answer. Whatever you may dig up from your mind is certainly not it. There is no mind to dig, nothing is concealed. It is only because your mind seemingly with a life of its own is full of conflicting thoughts with one moment different from the previous one and the next that you cannot answer the questions of life. Xiang Yan, that's Kyogen, his advice is to keep on asking how to answer, how to respond. In fact, you should ask with all of your might, all of your being, 
as if holding on to a tree limb by your clenched teeth, with your hands and feet dangling in the air. If someone asks you a question, actually a question that you ask yourself, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Answer! You have to answer. If you don't answer, you're not compassionate. If you answer, you must die. What do you do? How delightful. How wonderful. You must earnestly inquire about this until you come to a point when all of your discriminating thoughts of good and bad, words and silence, right and wrong, better and worse, success, success or failure, completely die. These mental states are totally irrelevant. All you have to do is generate, cultivate and fuse with the sense of not knowing and wanting to know. What is it? What is it? This is the whole point of the Huado or critical phrase method. Shang Yan is offered, has offered us a delicious, savory dumpling. You want to eat it, but you can't. What do words and silence or actions have to do with this? Just chew on this. How to answer, how to respond. This is the compassion of Shang Yan's nonsense. Time is almost up. We'll just have a have a quick look at the the commentary in the verse. Though your eloquence flows like a river, it is all to no avail. Even if you can explain the whole body of the Buddhist sutras, that also is useless. If you can really answer, you will revive the dead and kill the living. But if you can't answer, you must ask Maitreya when he comes. So. Not even an explanation of all the all the sutras, the Dharma treasure, is going to be any use. But if you can really answer, if you can really respond appropriately, you will revive the dead and kill the living. Revive the old, our own dead places in our own lives and kill the living kill those, those aspects of ourselves that are He says, he says here, if you, if you can't answer, you must ask Maitreya when he comes. Maitreya is the future Buddha, the next world cycle. He's said to be um, doing zazen in the Tushta heaven. And um, to be, he will come, it says 5,670,000 years after the nirvana of the Shakyamuni Buddha. So it's like, it's like saying, uh, you must ask when hell freezes over. It's a very, very long way off. And lastly, 
um, lastly the verse, the final verse, Kyogen is just babbling nonsense and spreads poison limitlessly. He stops the monks' mouths and then watches them writhe with the black piercing eyes of a devil. This is um, typical Mumon, the, the, click, the uh, author of this, um, Mumon Khan. He, he, he praises by slander, so he's, he's really, really praising Kyogen for his so-called nonsense because it, 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 it's a kind of um, poison for our delusions, our, ch our cherished, no cherished notions. It kills, it kills um, ignorance. He stops up the monks' mouths and then watches them writhe, stopping up the monks' mouths, getting, getting his students to the point where they, they, they haven't got ready words on their tongue. What, the way that we work to overcome our ignorance is to become aware of our ignorance, become aware of our delusive thought thinking. And so we take, we take those things which are poisonous in us and hold them up to the light. And then they can be transformed into awakening. In this way he revives the dead and kills the living. He finds a way to transform. And perhaps in some cases by listening to people who got caught up in these, these, um, this misinformation and disinformation. Uh, if they could be really listened to, they might be able to shift. And one of the things um, on this uh, podcast is uh, talking to people who did go deeply into these um, conspiracy theories and then saw what they were and, and exited. And so they have a particular insight into the process. says in the verse that, that um, Kyogen watches the monks' mouths uh, and watches them writhe with the black piercing eyes of a devil. In some version it says a, th a thousand eyes. And this is a clue that, that this seemingly um, kind of harsh or heartless approach of not explaining actually is compassionate because the Bodhisattva of compassion has a thousand eyes and a thousand hands to save sentient beings. And this kind of training, this, this approach, this um, throwing the student back on his or her own devices is um, compassionate. It is actually a, a vote of confidence in the student that, that he or she has everything she needs to wake up to her true nature. Just has to put down everything. And 
even even the, the grip of the, the teeth on the branch. Ah! We'll finish. We'll finish with a um, some words from let let Dogen have the last word word on this this koan. He says, "Why did the first ancestor come from the west?" It was as if the tree itself was asking the question. Tree questions tree. Man questions man. Bodhidharma questions Bodhidharma. The monk beneath the tree must ask his question as if his life also depended on the answer. This is the spirit we must have. Only if you lose your life before you answer can you help others. The real purpose of Kyogen was to help others even if he lost his own life. Before you give such an answer, your life is static, dormant. But after you answer, like Kyogen, your life becomes vigorous and active. You are truly alive for the first time and know how to speak the true, true words. words. That's Master Dogen from Shoshi Seirai. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.